Let's pray for a moment. Lord, we are so thankful that you have changed Cassie's life and that you have changed people's lives all over this world by the great outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you've done in our lives in small ways and in great ways. Thank you that you're leading us ever closer to the Father by that same Spirit. Open our ears now, we pray, as we recall those deeds that you have done here in this place and through your people and in spite of your people. We bless you, Lord. Give us thankful hearts, overflowing with praise and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, it was in uh, Pentecost Sunday 2002 that uh, Sean and I first came and celebrated with God's people here, 15 years ago. And we had that same reading in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21, where we spoke, heard of how the Holy Spirit drew people together in unity and then enabled them to go out into the people that they were with and communicate something of the great wonders that God had done in the languages that they could understand. And I wanted to try and communicate that visually, and so I invited people from the different congregations that everybody came together for that one Sunday and wanted to see what the new vicar was like and the vicar's wife. And uh, I got people to come up, one representative from each of the congregations, some of you remember this, and uh, gathered them round here. It actually wasn't here on this bit because this wasn't built then. <laughs> but they're in the middle of the church and they all sort of uh, held hands and looked together as one, representing the unity of the church gathering, facing inwards. And then I wanted them to do one thing which would completely change the dynamic, and that was to simply face outwards. So they again were holding hands still in unity, but they were facing out towards the world. And I think that symbolized very powerfully the mission and the message that I felt that God was wanting us to bring to the church, a church that was already engaged in mission, that was having a degree of unity, but wanted by the Holy Spirit to develop that and to deepen that even more. And this morning, I want to look at a few of the ways that the Holy Spirit has been poured out to enable unity and mission to be experienced and to be celebrated. I was looking again at these verses from Acts 2. They're so powerful. This first verse of chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They were all together. All. There's nothing ambiguous about all. But who are the they? Well, if you look back in Acts 1, verses 13 and 14, we have a clue that Luke describes the fact that when they arrived, that was uh, the disciples of Jesus, they, that is the 11 of them, without Judas Iscariot, of course, they all joined together constantly in prayer. There's that phrase again, but now there's the characteristic of prayer being at the center of what they were doing. They joined together not only for fellowship, but also for prayer. A unifying act, if ever there was one, that the Holy Spirit breathes through. They all joined together constantly in prayer, 
along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So it's likely that those who had wives were there as well, the women, other women who were part of that group, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, who is the senior, wonderful woman among them, and also Jesus' brothers, who you remember had really given up on him, thinking he was a bit of a mad guy. And yet Jesus, by the Spirit of God, had forgiven them and reconciled them, broken people, restored, forgiven, and had made them one community. But there was more to come. Through their capacity to be together, they just waited. They didn't know when this promise that Jesus had given them would come. And that's one of the extraordinary things about being a disciple of Jesus, isn't it? That we wait. We wait in hope until God does what only God can do. And a lot of our time together here has been about waiting. Waiting on God, seeking to listen to God. And Sean and I, as husband and wife, have been united in our relationship and in our commitment to serve God through this church and through the ministries that Sean has been given by God in her work in education. And it has enabled us with our family to share something of the deep sadness that has been part of this church's life, as well as its joys. Some of the death, early deaths, and the serious illnesses, the breakdown of relationships have been deep sources of grief for us. And yet God has sustained us and has sustained you in those times of darkness. In fact, one member of our church said, I don't know how we could have continued if it hadn't been for the church family rallying around. There is a deep unity amongst us caused by God's Spirit. And Sean and I deeply thankful for all of that selfless love that continues to be shown as we learn to look out for one another. Secondly, I want to be thankful to God that in this sense spirit of unity that he's created, that he has raised up leaders, often much much well, nearly always much younger than me, <laughs> because I'm not a youngest now. No. Uh, but people who have been led by Christ and who have a heart to lead like Christ. And we are so blessed to have a close-knit team united in God's love who are committed to the vision that God has given us here. So blessed. And that really comes home to me when I'm meeting with other clergy, other clergy in the diocese who I am with, conducting their ministerial development reviews every couple of years, and mentoring other clergy in this diocese. And the stories that I hear, that they're facing in their parishes, I always, and Sean will tell you this, I always come away thinking, I'm so glad I don't have to face all those things that they're facing. Not with the issues with the world. This is to do with their church. People who are petty disagreements about stupid things. Or leaders who are just so anti 
the way that God is leading that incumbent in the, in the PCC, it's just like, what is going on? Now either I'm completely blind, and one of my 3.4 blind spots is that I can't see all these things happening here, but I am so thankful for the way in which you, as people in this church and the other congregations, have shown God's love and expressed those values of prayerfulness, of thankfulness, of graciousness and openness to each other. So we have that unity through prayer, through mutual support, sharing the good times and bad together. But we also have unity in our worship. And how blessed we are to have musicians such as we have year on year, new ones coming through, old ones moving on to new things. It's just a, such a blessing to worship. And I love, as I said earlier, just love to worship all day with these guys. And uh, it's, it's great. So thank you, everybody. Sean said, don't get emotional. <laughs> oh, I'm afraid I failed at that one. So we have all kinds of expressions of worship. So there's unity in diversity as well. So many different types of worship that we have here. Intimate, formal, traditional, celebratory. And sometimes, as we wait upon God, the Holy Spirit just sort of comes right upon the worship and anoints with his presence in ways that we cannot mistake. I think it was the Sunday, I know it was, the Sunday before Pentecost. It was like the Holy Spirit came too early last year. Because, do you remember those of you who are here, we had a communion service. I was stood there with Ruth, trying to give out the bread, <laughs> body of Christ. And I was streaming down because Aunt was leading the worship. And it was like everybody was at one with God. People stood up as we sang, great is the Lord. And it was totally spontaneous sense of combustion as the Holy Spirit came among us. I've never experienced it before in a parish church. We have to wait for God to do what only God can do and wait with hope and expectancy. Worship then, and that sense of unity in worship, has been described as the fuel for mission. And unity is the place where God commands his blessing in Psalm 133. And so it is not surprising that God is filling us as we worship and as we're together as one with a sense of commitment and passion and longing and brokenness, brokenheartedness for the world in which we live. And a passion for children and for their future and for their establishment as people who are wholly embraced by the love of God is what is at the heart of Sean in her work which she has been too truly thankful to be able to work through with you as a church. And it was in 2007 that one of the great outpourings of God's Spirit happened when Sean was inspired by the prayer stations that were set up by the year before, mainly by Mayan, I think, and others, and wrote something that has become so significant in this nation that it has had uh, literally an effect on millions of children and adults. And that was the experience Easter, the experience journeys. 
Those are now being taken forward in, in churches and cathedrals, St. Paul's Cathedral and Tewksbury and all sorts of places, in ways that are engaging children with God, but also in encouraging others to find a connection with God that is at the heart of mission. And many of the other initiatives that Sean has written have been birthed here. We have been a source, a pilot church, for much of the national mission amongst children. I think it's important that you know that. Sean doesn't often talk about what she does. But these publications and the writings that she does and the conferences she speaks on all over the nation, over the country, are hugely important in the life of our schools, our church schools. They're changing millions of children's lives. It's the hope for the future in the time of crisis where Christian values are perhaps more needed than ever before. On that first Pentecost, the Holy Spirit moved those disciples out in mission to express God's grace where the people were. And the wonders of God were expressed in languages that other people from all over the known world could understand. And we've sought by the Holy Spirit's propelling to move out into mission, up in Staple Hill, for example, with the birth of Haven House and the Ministry of Hospitality and Prayer on the High Street there. That was where the CAP office was first located, and the whole conception of CAP was a movement of the Holy Spirit in Martin Brown's heart. And Martin took me along to New Wine in one, one year, and he said, Joe, we must go and hear John Kirkby. So we sat in the tent, and we both knew when we listened to that vision, that this was what God wanted to be doing here. We didn't have any money, there wasn't any place, there wasn't the people. Martin said, God will provide. And he did, and Cap was born and has flourished and has again touched people in the social spheres of life that have been massive. In our youth work, the Holy Spirit has moved the ministry of young people from on the edge of the church. When I first came, it was very much a sort of all oh, young people over there. Whereas now, at the very center of our church's life, the youth hub, the work of Gary and Diane and the other leaders have empowered our young people and energized them so that they are bearing witness in the community week by week. And it's an example to us all. A large part of that mission and that witness has been the way that's been communicated. The communication of the good stories that we are telling here of God's activity in our lives and in our church. And I'd like to ask Helen, she'd just come out for a moment, because uh, is Helen in here now? There you are. Oh, she's upstairs. She's going to... The sound of Helen's footsteps running down the stairs. Helen, thank you for all your energy. The pocket rocket in action. Thank you. <laughs> Take a breath. <laughs> you need some breath in your lungs. But Helen's work, um, when I sensed, saw something of the things that Helen was doing, a seed was planted in my own spirit about developing a, a new ministry in the church called creative media. I'm a bit of a dunce when it comes to creative media, but I knew it, it's, it was the future for communication of the gospel. 
And so when I saw what potential that was in Helen, I asked her to become a new ministry head, or a new ministry. No idea what that looked like, but Helen has taken it forward, and we've seen some of the effects. Helen, can you tell us how you've helped other people, from perhaps who don't speak the church language, to get what we're doing? Well, it's, communication really, really matters so much to me. We're told to go out into all the earth and preach the gospel and to speak it, but we need to speak in a language that the people that are hearing it are going to understand. So for me, if some of my friends are on Facebook, that is the language that they're speaking. They're speaking Facebook language. So I need to put what is going on in the church on social media. Some of my friends don't do Facebook. They like Twitter. So let's tweet it. <laughs> Others of my friends have moved away from Facebook and they're now on Instagram. So we now have a church Instagram account and Facebook and Twitter. I don't think we've gone any further yet. <laughs> some people don't like social media. That's fine. That is absolutely lovely. And um, we've got a website, so if you've got a computer and you want to look online and see what's going on in Down End, you can look online. That's fine. It's brilliant. Um, so but... t tell, us, tell us a bit of the fruit. Well, you know, we've talked a lot about fruitfulness on our front lines. Doing that is one thing. What is the difference it's making, do you think? Can you think of a, an example? Oh, there's masses. I mean, almost every week when we have Messy Church, there's a family who arrive who simply... How did you hear about it? Oh, we saw it on Facebook or, or mm. we, we saw it on Twitter. There was, there was a gentleman who, who came to Down End Soup because he'd seen the Down End Soup movement and he knew about the Detroit Soup movement, and he'd seen it on Twitter. That was it. He turned up at the parish hall one morning, and he said, about this down-end soup that's happening in a couple of weeks, he'd only seen it via Twitter, mm. and it captured his heart. He came along to the down-end soup, and then the following week, he set from his office, he sent a massive box of coffee and tea and sugar for Crisis Centre Ministries, because he was so moved by what he'd experienced. Fantastic. Just one example of so many that we could rejoice in. Thank you, Helen, very, very much. Now, Ant said he didn't need to move off too quickly after the service because he stopped working in the pub. So I can preach for ages. <laughs> His fault. I'm going to try and truncate the last little bit so it's not too, too long. But 15 years of blessing. Me. So fruitfulness is, is a key phrase that we've used, and it's been embraced in our logo, which uh, came as a result of reimagining and seeking God about our vision for the church. How could we express what God was wanting us to be? We were called, being called to be people who were... Uh, disciples of Jesus who are trying to live life to the full and to follow these teaching in John 15 where Jesus says we're called to be fruitful and abide in Jesus so that we might be more and more fruitful. So this phrase learning to live the life, oh the sparklers, I think um, the sparklers may be 
We may have another, because we started a bit late. We may be uh, a bit later finishing. But anyway, it's fine if the sparklers come back. Johnny, could you put the logo of the church up, please? Thank you. So our logo is very simple. Learning to live the life, because we're disciples of Jesus. And this was something that God, by his spirit, I think, really showed us to encapsulate succinctly and clearly what it meant to be a disciple. is a, a learner, and we're learning to live the life of Jesus. We're not learning to be nice people. We're learning together to be people who live life to the full. It is all about life. It's not about church. That was an inspiration by the Holy Spirit when I realized that. I thought, it's all about building a, a great church. And God had to say, no, it's about living life, Joe. Get out a bit more. And get your people to think in terms of life, not church. And the wonderful way that LICC, the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity, helped us to do that with two very, very striking visuals. One of the church that is gathered, with the red dots down at the bottom, all together. It's often we think when we're all together, the gray dots are all you know, representing all the people who aren't Christians, who don't go to church, about 7% go to church. We're gathered there. And it's important for us to gather to church. It's vital for us to gather. But the great insight that the Spirit of God has given us, again, is to see ourselves not only as just as gathered church, but also as scattered church. So that wherever we are, all over the place, wherever God has placed us, we are bearing witness to the gospel in those places, in those situations where we can be most fruitful. And that is what this come and see thing is enabling us to do. We are being called to be both a gathered and a scattered church. And this is the great movement of the Spirit as we go forward. We're recognizing that we have different ways of ministering. How are we making good work, modeling godly character, ministering grace and love, molding culture, being a mouthpiece for truth and justice, and being a messenger for the gospel? On the next slide, I think we are now. And how are we making a difference wherever we are? Those are the key things that God's Spirit is enabling us to enter into as we move forward together. And it's such an exciting journey to be part of together. Finally, when I first came, Sean and I first came to this church, we stood on, stood on the old stone steps here, the pews behind us, and there was something about that moment when I looked out on this church and saw it filled with people of all ages celebrating and worshipping God, released in worship and in witness, and in a building that was released from constraints. A building made versatile, for both worship and mission that would be here and equipped for the 21st century long after Sean and I have gone or retired or whatever and all of us have moved on. And now we have this window of opportunity. This vision that God gave to us both when we first came is now at last becoming more and more a reality. We've already seen it happening in lives of people here. 
And as we go forward together, we will have a building that enables this church to be all that it can be, so that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it as we move forward in mission together in this community. This vision and this church have been birthed in God's power, the power of God's love. And by the same Spirit, He is communicating that love through us to the world. It's a love that is united. It's a love that is for God, for each other, and for the world. And so out of thankfulness, I'd like us to stand and to sing of that love that God has given us as we move forward together to the future. Let's stand now.